0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Being Well. I'm Forrest Hansen. I'm joined, as usual, by Dr. Rick Hansen. So, Dad,
1: how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good, Forrest. And you? I'm surviving.
0: I mean, I think that we're all in the phase of this epidemic where we've crossed the uh, the Rubicon, for many of us, from kind of cautious optimism, which is where I was, I would say, a couple weeks ago, to, wow, this is going to get really bad, and we could be in this for a minute. So that's where I'm at psycho-emotionally. So speaking of which, we're going to be spending some time today talking about the interpersonal costs of the epidemic that's been Mm -hmm. going on and some of the uh, knock-on effects and kind of maybe unexpected consequences Mm -hmm. that this thing has put all of us through. Yeah. So there are many effects of the epidemic that have been kind of clear and obvious from the human costs to the economic cost to whatever else. And then there have been some impacts that have been a little bit more subtle, and one of those has been kind of being trapped inside <laughs> with a lot of people that sometimes you don't is want to be this, trapped inside this, with. Is this
1: a personal topic I for mean, us?
0: It's, it's influenced by my own experience. So we've been cohabitating since this thing began, and uh, it's been really interesting. Yeah. I think in general, we've survived it pretty well. Yeah. But the truth is that you don't pick your family. And there are many people out there. We have really, I think, a pretty wonderful familial relationship, but there are a lot of people out there right now who I'm thinking of like small family units, three to five people banging into each other all day. Wow, that gets really grating after a while, even if you love the people. Then in addition to that, there's the opposite cost. Uh, People who aren't going into school and aren't going into work, and sure, there are costs there in terms of education and productivity or income but there's this whole other social cost where you don't have those inputs in your life anymore. And then there are the families that are self-isolating inside of their families. So there maybe are older parents who are very at risk for the virus and younger middle-aged children who are now separating from that unit and they're just not gonna see each other for a while. And how do you bear the cost of that? So. Hopefully, we're going to explore some or all of that today, including how we can build strengths to deal with those various problems and just interpersonally how we can manage uh, life in a suddenly seemingly much smaller home than it was maybe a month or two ago.
1: So, how does that sound to you? Oh, it's a great topic. And one thing I was thinking about from what you were saying is this general principle in psychology and healthcare mm. that people can manage moderate stressors. If they're fairly brief and there's a sense of control about them, Mm. but sustained stressors that are chronic, including with the add-on effect of not being able to have control over them, really wear on us. And I think a little bit about the idea of a brake pad, Uh, you know, if you apply some pressure to a brake pad and let's say you're spending an hour together with somebody, the first 10 minutes are great. The next 10 minutes are okay and the remaining 40 minutes are gradually grating on you and it builds up. And then what if that becomes hours and hours and hours? Mm -hmm. And so for me, a lot of the wisdom of life is to stay in the yellow zone. You know, we can handle a lot of yellow, but if we start being in the red zone and particularly if we start being metal on metal in terms of our interactions with each other, that can have lots and lots of consequences. Mm -hmm. I was related to that just talking with someone earlier today. About children and how to be with children, they're going to remember this time forever. I remember I was a kid in Illinois. A tornado warning came through. My parents bustled me into the basement of the building where my dad was doing some postgraduate work as a zoologist. And I remember every bit of it, including the saltine crackers, my mother's worries, mm. the way the wind was whipping up around us. Um, kids older from three, older than three, are going to remember this time and how we are with each other during this time is like metal on metal and it will leave grooves. Mm. So that's for me a particularly good thing to keep in mind when we think about how we might be wearing on other people or what we need to do to reestablish a brake pad mm. between us and other people, so that it doesn't shift our relationship with them in some kind of long-term way. Yeah.
0: And I definitely want to talk about kids. You actually want to do a whole episode dedicated to how to talk to children and interact with children during this time, which I'm looking forward to, which is based on your many years of experience as a psychologist working a lot with kids, actually kids and families. But I kind of want to start looking at relationships and rearing units and kind of family units as a whole. There's some really... I mean, depending on how you look at it, either kind of slightly morbidly funny or like just sad information that's coming out of China right now, which is that divorce rates have spiked in the provinces that are that were most hit by the virus that are now kind of exiting that. Yeah, And now government sites have reopened a little bit so people can file for a divorce and divorce rates have spiked, mm-hmm. which just kind of speaks to, I think, the additional pressure that this period of time... Kind of surrounding yourself with even your very loved ones can, and the kind of pressure that that can put on a relationship. So, inside of that unit, for starters, what do you think some of those additional pressures are outside of simple anxiety? And, you know, you've had a pretty successful relationship here for a pretty long time. What are some things that people can do about it?
1: Huge topics. Mm -hmm. Um, Keeping it conversational, I'll just say first that it's really important for both well being and coping to take a moment to register how things are landing on you and to understand that it's normal. In our common humanity, we are all dealing with the storm. It's like a storm is now here. The storm has come and we're all brothers and sisters in arms, in a sense, in the foxhole, in a sense, together. And it helps to appreciate just, of course, this is wearing, of course, this is unnerving. Of course, I'm getting irritated by it. Mm -hmm. It's okay to start there. It's not where we end, but it's really an important place to start. I think a second thing is to appreciate, like you were saying, that this storm is surging psychologically and emotionally through us, through all kinds of pathways, many of which are not directly related to the risk of illness or passing an illness along to others, economic concerns. The estimated unemployment rate, I've read estimates that are reasonable, that, that it'll be as high as 30%. Uh, during the Great Depression, it was 25%, essentially. One in four Americans were out, couldn't find work. So it's a big deal. It's coming at us in lots of ways. And so step one is to get that it's okay to feel what you feel. And second, it's okay that they feel what they feel, mm-hmm. even if it's not what you feel, yeah, and
0: I, I think that's such an obvious point of friction inside of a relationship, right? I mean, we're we're all the main character in our story, yep. even if we have a wonderful supporting actor, if you will, that uh, is with us through our lives, yeah. as you know, ideally a singular relationship partner would be, but they're not the main characters. Still, we are the only people who's experiencing the inside of our mind, and so it's really easy to become identified with you. And I think to your point the um, consequences of those views get really amplified in what we experience as a high stakes situation.
1: We're all being tested by this time. Mm. No one is escaping the test. We will get through it. The history of epidemics, even pandemics in the world is that there really is another side. Mm. We will get to the other side of this. How do we want to get to the other side? And looking back from the other side, how do we wanna be glad that we've acted?
0: Mm.
1: Both Mm. with other people, and inside our own minds, Mm -hmm. because we're all going to remember this time, and we're all going to be affected by it, even beyond what we recollect of specific episodes. So I try to keep that in in mind for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, how do I, looking back, how do I want to be glad that I've acted?
0: Yeah. So kind of speaking to that, being glad of however you acted, talking about action for a second, uh, you had a really cute post on Facebook, and you almost never deliberately (laughs) do something to post on On Facebook, that's kind of outside of your (laughs) professional capacity, the personal stuff you kind (laughs) of keep to a minimum. But uh, you did a post having to do with mom and you guys had a significant anniversary and you gave these kind of key tips that have sort of gotten you to this point. I think that now would be a great time for starters to share some of those if you want to or to share kind of general tips and tools that people can use
1: for this moment. Hmm. Remember that they're scared too. Hmm. They're stressed too. And by our nature, when we feel threatened, we hunker down and curl in and bring our attention to what's immediately around us. That's understandable. And it's important to keep pushing back against the walls of that invisible cage Mm. and realize that they're scared too. They're worried too. They're tired of being scared too. They're tired of you being scared too.
0: Yeah, I think that's a big one.
1: That's going on over there. That's a big one. Another one, status stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, much research on the negativity bias in relationships, you know, shows that negative interactions have so much more impact than positive interactions. Usually, so the positive ones need to outweigh the negative ones, outnumber the negative ones, five to one or more than that, even in a good long relationship, negative from the other person's point of view. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a little bit like playing chess. You can see the moves in the game, and I can just see. If I may, I'll use you as an example. Oh, sure, yeah. You can use me as an example. So you'll say something. Mm -hmm. And then in what you say, there are like three to five things in it. And one of them I might disagree with, or Mm -hmm. one of them I might think, yes, but or what about. And but then I realize playing out the game. If I say that, mm. then you're likely to say this, mm-hmm. and then we're and then it. we're in the circle. Yeah, And we don't totally. need mm-hmm. to. There's nothing imminent. There's nothing I need to do. It's a passing thought. It's okay. And seeing the chess moves ahead, tech talk, tech talk. Hmm, I can stay out of that needless quarrel. Mm. So don't get into stupid stuff. Or <laughs> if you find yourself getting heated, <laughs> or you realize, you know, I was saying, admit fault and move on. Yeah. One, yeah. of the, one of the best things you can do for your own sake, let mm-hmm. alone being moral in your impact on others, is cop to it quickly.
0: Well, I think that if we're looking for a slogan for the podcast, maybe don't do stupid stuff could now be our <laughs> new tagline. I think that's a fantastic tagline. So, what a doubt.
1: <laughs> don't do stupid <laughs> well, stuff. Well, it's very on your brand. <laughs> yeah. No, Me, for sure. would be like, do good stuff. Yeah. No, <laughs> Me absolutely. Would be like, don't, don't do stupid, stupid stuff.
0: stuff. No, it's, it's deeply accurate <laughs> on so many levels. Yeah. I mean, for starters, totally agree. Great suggestions. And I think that part of the underlying point that you're making is about really particularly right now. I mean always, but particularly right now, pick your battles. Yeah. You know, just like decide wh- which hills you really yeah. want to die on yeah. versus the ones where you can just kind of let them go for right now. To yeah. to give maybe a um a version of a concrete example, there are often – running themes in relationships or in marriages or in, you know, father-son relationships in every kind of relationship. And often in these relationships, there are these kind of touchstone topics that keep on coming up. Um, Maybe one partner believes that another just isn't as productive as they could be.
1: To back up what you're saying, with lots sure. of research mm-hmm. from John and Julie Gottman, mm-hmm. they find mm-hmm. much the same thing. Even yeah. long-term happy couples, married thirty years, they're, they argue about the same thing, over and they've been arguing about it for twenty and years, over again. and it's kind of okay. Yeah, if they can keep it within bounds. Yeah, to
0: and and most of the time it's kind of okay. And also the Gottmans are amazing. Check out their stuff. I'll include a link to it. Now is not the time to <laughs> rehash those <laughs> chronic arguments for the seventieth time. Yep because the load that we are naturally going to put on those communications is going to change dramatically. Yeah. So let's say to use a an example that's not entirely based on real life, but is a little bit based on real life, there is a relationship dynamic where one person believes that another is j- just like more worried about stuff that they need to be. Mm-hmm. Particularly in this moment, which mm-hmm. is so driven by intense anxiety, It's just not the time to have like a super rationally driven statistical analysis-based evaluation of what our actual threat profile is based on our age group and where we live in the country, right? Yeah. You just don't have to go there. It's probably not worth the fight. Yeah. Or if one member, again, as I said earlier, believes that another is like not as productive as they should be, well, now you're at home. There's not as much stuff to do, it would be really easy to start dragging on somebody for not helping around the house as much as they should or whatever. And those little battles that, again, can be kind of perfectly normal inside of a basically healthy relationship can just be total enders, like total nuclear options inside of the current moment with all of the additional stress and strain that I think that people are experiencing.
1: Yeah, and it becomes very personal. Mm -hmm. Um, So, for example, to your example of inequities in housework. Mm-hmm. From writing my first book that I did with two other people, including your mom, uh, Mother Nurture, in the average American family raising children, the woman in a heterosexual couple, the woman is on task about 20 hours a week more than her male partner is mm-hmm. on average. That means that in homes like ours where we divided it up pretty fairly, uh, that means there are other homes where it's 60 or 80 hours a week of inequity. It's kind of crazy. So this can be a really big thing for a lot of people. So in that context, it may have been under normal conditions before the storm came. You could put up with significant inequities of one kind or another. But maybe now you really can't. You really Mm. can't. You can no longer carry along, I'm going to use a charged term here, a freeloader. Mm. Maybe. Just saying. And that goes to me to a kind of a metaphor. It's been real for me. I'm sure you've heard dadisms. Forrest has a list of dadisms. <laughs> Trust me. After I pass away, you may see the book, Dadisms. But anyway, <laughs> if not sooner. But one of my dadisms is that you know, if you're dogging on the beach, you can afford a ten-pound brick in your backpack. Hmm. But if you're at twenty thousand feet, heading uphill in a storm, helping other people along the way, whoosh, you cannot afford that anymore. And it's okay to dump those bricks out of your backpack, Mm. whether they're external bricks, like people who are not carrying their weight in your family, or internal bricks, where you're pounding on yourself, you're worrying about stuff Mm. again and again and again, Mm -hmm. you're ruminating over and over. You can't indulge yourself with that stuff anymore, nor frankly sometimes indulge others in what they're doing anymore. And I'm using the word indulge deliberately. Mm. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. And it's all hands on deck.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, now's the moment to definitely come through inside of your important relationships if it's ever yeah. going to happen. And yeah. just inside of the universe of all of those stresses, it's more necessary than ever to kind of be our best selves to the extent to which it's possible.
1: Yeah. And I hope you'll indulge me with a, yeah, please. a fatherly rant. Mm-hmm. And I notice this really coming up for me. And it, it, it's parental. I, I don't think it's restricted to fathers. but And it's so annoying that it's true that This time is revealing that we, a lot of us, have been propped up by our daily circumstances. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we can go to the deli for that or the bar for this or, you know, hang out with our friends after work and so forth. And that's cool. Those states or circumstances carry us through, right? But all along, they were unreliable. Mm -hmm. And now that the storm has come, they've fallen away. There can be this understandable understandable feeling of groundlessness. It's like the ground has fallen beneath you. And what you're left with, as we said in the book, Resilient, again and again and again, you're left with what's already inside you. Yeah. So here's the kind of, for me, it has a little parental feeling, sorry, thing that basically says, look, we should have realized all along Mm -hmm. that we needed to invest in our own psychology And in our own relationships and, obviously, in our national healthcare system overall. Mm -hmm. And now we're paying the price Mm. for not having made those investments at all those levels, Mm -hmm. including in our own personal psychological strengths of various Mm -hmm. kinds, as well as what we've put in the bank in our relationships. So now that we've had that annoying but understandable parental message, the takeaway now is to start making deposits in the bank Mm -hmm. in terms of one's own internal strengths and in terms of what's called social capital, relationship capital, both for the current time and for the next storm that will inevitably come. I think it's a great reflection
0: and really well said. And I wanna pick up on something that you mentioned kind of in there,
1: which is that
0: feeling of groundlessness based off of the structures that were previously holding us up Um, And the way that I want to approach that is kind of through the theme of self-concept, which we talked about a little bit in a previous Mm. episode. Um, I think that for a lot of people, Mm. the one hand, you're trapped with people that you may or may not want to be trapped with. On the other hand...
1: The famous saying, hell is other people. Is
0: other people, absolutely. (laughs) On the other hand, you are not getting inputs from the people you maybe want to get inputs from or you don't have your time at school and you don't have your time at work and and so on. And if you defined yourself to take what you were talking about maybe one step further, as to a certain extent, the person who was good at school or the person who delivered Mm. X consistently at work or the person who could really provide for others or whatever, and now that is no longer present, wow, that's a recipe for a lot of internal turmoil around self-worth and around how valuable am I myself really? And what are the things I can do now to kind of fill that gap that has been created inside of my self-concept because I can no longer be the person who is good at school Mm. or the person who is good at work. So for starters, I'd just love any thoughts you have on that reflection, which I was kind of thinking about a little bit recently. Um, and by the way, it was also spurred by a question that somebody sent into our Patreon account, which was a lovely question. Mm. For starters, any takes you have on that just kind of broadly? And then secondarily, what do you think people can do to still sort of fill themselves up with that sense of worth now that those structures have fallen away?
1: Great, great, great deep question. Mm. Under more normal conditions, such as when a person retires, or uh, when the children leave home, it becomes Mm -hmm. an empty nest. Mm -hmm. It's really understandable that familiar roles that were very satisfying and fulfilling gave us standing, gave us something to talk about with other people, a sense of meaning and purpose in our lives, um, et cetera. When those fall away, it can be really unnerving Mm -hmm. and even can be a slippery slope into depression. Yeah. So it's, which is a way of speaking to the the depth of what you're saying. Uh, A different version of that is if people are now in a family, let's say, both of them are working at home, mm. that can push people into different roles. So someone, let's say, who was extremely competent at work and got and got a lot of kudos for being competent at work is now in a role at home maybe with children or doing housework and suddenly what – how do I set the, you know, what, what setting should I put the dryer on? Yeah, I'm still sure. trying to figure out our dryer. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I know I push this button. <laughs> it works. That's good. I'll leave it at that. So, anyway, um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is actually true, by the way. This is no joke. But.
1: Forrest, how do we work the dryer? What's oh going on? God. Anyway, um, so all that's really, really true. Couple things. There's no replacement for not being a jerk. Hmm. And you can take refuge every day and every minute in not being a jerk right now, or to put it a little differently, in being good right now. Hmm. And we all know how to be good to each other. Just not fancy, Hmm. just like listen. It's the safest, easiest thing in the world, to just listen. It buys you time, it helps you find your footing with this other person, it's calming for them. (laughs) As Dan Siegel puts it, to feel felt by the other person, a lovely phrase, Uh, so much wisdom in it. I find that's wonderful. We could take refuge in that. Like we may not know how to do this or do that, but we know how to not be a jerk in this moment. Everyone knows how to not be a jerk in this moment. And everyone knows basically how to be good in this moment. Listen, receive, be supportive, look for the good in the other person.
0: And then it's a matter of whether or not you make that choice. Yeah, exactly. Is essentially what you're pointing yeah. to. Yeah, what can
1: you join with? I, I acquired mm-hmm. this saying internally uh, soon after you were born, actually, mm-hmm. start by joining. Mm-hmm. And it had to do with my tendency that I was kind of also trained in to move into detached objective analysis.
0: Yeah, it's like what we were talking about the other time about the writing that surfboard and are you two steps back? Yeah, or are you one step well in? And all I that. tended oh, yeah, to totally. be like
1: 10... Sure, yeah. 1,000 steps back. And that was useful in certain objective situations like working for an engineering firm doing probabilistic risk analyses. Mm. But in a family, especially once kids come along, no, 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 start by joining. Mm. Doesn't mean knuckling under. Doesn't mean agreement necessarily. Just look for what you can join with. And often that's all you need to do. Then if you want to move into a more separated, more objective, problem-solving kind of orientation, okay. But at least you've laid that foundation of starting by joining. What can I agree with? What can I empathize with? What can I imagine my way into inside your mind that gives us a sense of common ground? Yeah, totally. And then move on from there.
0: Mm. So in terms of that kind of narrowly, that sense of vacuousness that somebody might be feeling, to give an example myself, As a lot of people know, if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, I like dancing. It's a major hobby of mine. And as you might imagine, there is no dancing going on right now. It is probably the worst conceivable environment that you could create for a (laughs) epidemic is like a crowded dance floor. And uh, yeah, so I I would imagine that's going to be one of the last things to resume normal operation when this whole mess, as you said, has finally passed as it inevitably will. Yeah. And that has left a real hole in my life. And that being said, I I was at a bit of a transitional moment with it personally and I don't do it professionally as a competitor the way that many of my friends do, but for a lot of my friends, including my girlfriend, my partner, they are professional dancers and this is what they do. And outside of the massive economic cost that many of them are experiencing right now, there's a huge personal cost around what am I when I am not this. Mm. For me, some ways through that could be, for starters, finding ways to contribute. I think that contribution is one of the most natural ways that we find to find worth. There's a lot of research that's been done on the value of generosity. Um, It's also one of the 12 key things that we kind of point to inside of the book Resilient. Mm -hmm. And um, just that act of giving. Yeah. Yeah. And there are many opportunities to give right now uh, can be such a core way to derive the sense of self-worth. And then the other thing that I would say, and we talked about this a bit in the episode on being a friend to yourself, go out of your way to, as you said, identify your good purposes. Like Identify those moments where you're not being a jerk right now and you are being a basically good person. And in the day, if you have an interaction with somebody else where you have that moment of recognition and you recognize that now is the moment where we're about to have this argument for the 37th time and I'm going to actively choose to not have this argument right now. And maybe you have a spouse that will give you credit for that if you say it in some way that's not yeah yeah yeah, but like you name it as, yeah. hey, you know, I'm just going to kind of take a step back from this one right now. Yeah. Maybe you have a spouse who's going to give you credit for that. Maybe you don't. Yeah. But either way, you can know inside of yourself that you made that choice. Mm-hmm. And that can be a great opportunity to, again, find that sense of self-worth maybe in a different capacity than you would normally.
1: That's beautifully said, Forrest. Oh, and, thank um, you. Yeah. And it makes me appreciate the many ways we can give to each other. Mm. So if you can, touch your friends more or your partners. Mm. You know, touch. It's really simple. The generosity of touch. Mm -hmm. The generosity of attention, the generosity of of not interrupting them, the generosity of asking if there's any way you can help, Mm. and the generosity of, if you've got it, appreciating your good fortune. I have so much good fortune in my life, Mm -hmm. and it's partly out of a recognition of that good fortune, most of which I have not earned.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I've earned a piece of it, but I sure haven't earned all of it. And if I didn't have the privileges uh, and of good fortune, including just the privilege of a certain kind of birth or genetic endowment or the time and the place, social class, ethnic yeah, the group, whole so thing, forth. All of yeah. those social privileges. All the effort out. in the world that I've put in may well not have borne any fruit. Mm-hmm. So to really appreciate that and to be humble and wise enough and grateful enough to appreciate that. And then on the basis of that, hold in your heart people who just didn't catch those lucky breaks that you did. Mm. And they just weren't dealt the same cards in the hand of life that you were dealt. And hold them with you and be really, really helpful to them if you can.
0: Yeah, I think that in a certain kind of way, you're saying something similar to this thing I wrote on Facebook a little bit ago. And I'm sure it's not an original thought. Like I'm not taking authorial credit for this one. I'm sure many other people have said the same thing. But when we have to distance each other physically, yeah. if we don't necessarily have those opportunities for touch or if it isn't safe for us to be around our loved ones or if there's just a lot of social distancing going on and you're kind of just experiencing walking down a street and having a different kind of physical fear around that simple act of being outside and being around other people that you were not having you know, however many months ago. If we're gonna do that, we have to be able to counter that by leaning in hmm. psychoemotionally. Yeah, Leaning in through the gift of our time, the gift of our attention, the gift of our love and affection, however we can do that, so that our relationships can continue to perpetuate during this really, really challenging moment for everyone. So if we're going to lean back physically, we have to keep on leaning in emotionally.
1: Yep. And then what do we do, though, Forrest, when we can't see the people that... We want to hang out with. We can't talk to them. And it's not the same really to stay Mm. caught up on Facebook or something. Sure. Yeah.
0: I I mean, I think that for starters, technology is a wonderful tool. We do have a lot of mechanisms these days that we wouldn't have had 10 years ago, let alone 50 years ago. Um, So I do think that that can be a big resource. And then not to get, you know, Spacious and out of my depth here, but a certain level of meta, a certain level of just like loving kindness for all things that are going through this profound shared experience. And I hesitate to say this because I don't want to get into hot water. Obviously, the costs of this are so overwhelming, both personally and collectively. But I do think that there's an element of this whole thing that is, as you kind of said earlier, a wonderful opportunity for practice. Mm and really does reinforce for all of us how dependent we are on one another.
1: And reminder.
0: Yeah, a, a great reminder of the ways in which we are truly connected to each other in a deep way. And I think that it's possible to take that feeling yeah. of deep connection that you're experiencing out of this moment and going, yeah, this is really true. I'm gonna really let this sink in.
1: You know, it's sort of like comrades in arms. Absolutely, In yeah. a fact, mm-hmm. you know, they were talk about common humanity. We really are in this together. And one of the things that's helpful for people is to do the thing that you and I have explored, which is to tune into, to feel the feeling of being connected with other people, bringing to mind a sense of people who like you. What's it like to feel liked? What's it like to feel included, seen, appreciated, even loved in different ways? And we are able to. Push the button on that song in the inner jukebox or inner iPod and get that experience going. Tap into that and reflect on that. That's available to us and it's certainly now more important than ever to be able to tap into that feeling. Also, one thing that still seems to me to be a completely counterintuitive miracle Mm. in a way is that, understandably, many people – are um, not receiving enough social supplies of all kinds, friendliness, physical affection, love, romance, common community spiritually. Think of all the people who would go to temple on Saturday or church on Sunday, say, Mm -hmm. or whatever, who are no longer able to do that uh, in person with each other. And what a loss that is. Or people who would do Mm -hmm. things like, they just play softball together, but
0: you can't do that
1: right now. So, understandably, we're not receiving enough from the outside in. Keeping up with friends on Facebook is like breathing through a straw. (laughs) You can do it, but it's not like taking a deep breath. Yeah, totally. So what to do with that? Well, counterintuitively, remarkably, when we flow love out, it feeds us much like receiving love flowing in. Because love is love in the moment of experiencing of it it in the present, whether it's flowing in or flowing out, Mm. which is amazing. Mm -hmm. So if you feel lonely, bring to mind someone and, as you said, send love to them or have a sense of compassion for them or just think about what a cool person they are and wish them well. It's like a generous, it's not a needy, clingy kind of lovingness, it's a generous, gracious, lovingness. And then notice how you feel after doing that for a few breaths or a few minutes in a row. You'll feel better. And as you also take in the good, you know, turning states to traits, as you take in the good, as you kind of marinate in that experience of expressing friendliness, kindness, love, compassion, and so forth, you'll build that up inside you more, Mm -hmm. which will really help in all kinds of ways, including helping you get through this time.
0: I think that's a great point. And I think also a great note to end this episode on for the moment. Uh, We've talked about a lot today. We're going to explore much more. We are planning on doing a full episode dedicated to one of the questions that I raised earlier, which was how are children being impacted by this experience? Mm. And particularly how can parents talk to children about everything that's going on right now, honor their impulses, give them support. So hopefully we'll be out with that soon. Before we end, I would like to remind you about our Patreon account.
1: Which is, for us, a form of community. Yeah, actually, it really we'd is. we'd like more friends. <laughs> <laughs> we would. <laughs> what an effective plug. That's
0: fantastic. Yeah, no, so the uh, the Patreon's <laughs> awesome. It's actually been really cool to talk with people on it and have a, a certain sense, as you're saying, of community and people really interested in the show. and And it's been fun for me to kind of create content for it. So... If you want, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/beingwellpodcast. I create a whole bunch of unique content for it. I create expanded show notes for each episode. We have a Q and A episode that we record once a month for it, where people just ask us questions. I post uh, special videos up there. We've been recording more videos for the podcast. Those are all going on the Patreon, so it's really starting to build out and. It's just the cost of maybe a couple cups of coffee a month. And you'll also know, more importantly than anything else, that you're supporting the show and you're helping us uh, make these podcasts. Also, Rick has a new book. It's called Neurodharma. It is a wonderful, wonderful book. Strongly recommend that you check it out. I'll include a link to it in the description of today's podcast. And finally, one little request. If you've been enjoying the show, we'd really appreciate it if you would take the moment to subscribe to it through the platform of your choice and maybe even leave a rating and a positive review. It really does help us out in the old iTunes rankings and I honestly appreciate it because I get competitive and I look at that number too much and so you can make me happy by subscribing and leaving a rating and review because that's one of the elements of my psychosis that I'm working with these days. So on that note, thanks again so much for listening to the podcast and we'll see you soon.